Hey mom friend, one of the most fun things we get to do during our pregnancy is to create a baby registry. I mean, there's just something about them that gets us so excited, but yet really starts to set in that things are about to get real. Baby registries can and should be done for first-time moms, but I recommend and even think that they should be done for moms who are adding more children to the mix. No matter what kind of mom you are, if you are not sure what to put on it, if there's anything else that you might need, or are having a hard time thinking about what you actually do need. Well, in this episode, we're going to be talking about all of that, and I hope after today you get some ideas that are both traditional and maybe some things you didn't even think about or could even register for. With all that, let's get inside. Hey mama, welcome to Simplify Birth and Motherhood. I am Amanda, I am a wife and mom of four. I have had a hospital birth, unexpected C-section, a few home births, and now I am a birth advocate, childbirth educator, and your cheerleader in the toughest hood of them all, motherhood. Do you wish you knew what options were available to you when becoming a new mom or adding more to the mix? Are you ready to nurture and build up your mom gut so you can be more confident, educated, and bold? In this podcast, you will begin to understand, find support, and turn knowledge into power through education and resources for pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, and for the early years of motherhood. If you are ready to get clarity to empower your birth and motherhood journey, then throw up your unbrushed hair, hike up your high-waisted pants, because sister, (laughs) I know you are wearing them. Put the baby in the ergo, and let's start feeding our God-given mom guts see you inside. Hello and welcome back. I'm so happy and excited that we are joined together again today in holy matrimony. Just kidding. (laughs) But for reals, I look forward to chatting with you every single week. And today is kind of an exciting topic. And we're going to talk about baby registries. So what do baby registries do? Well, obviously, we know that they create a list of items that we want for our baby that people can go ahead and buy for us, particularly if we're having another baby shower or whatnot. But essentially at its deep core is they help prepare us. This is what the nesting phase does. It's doing, it's making all the necessary things come together to prepare us basically for our next step, our next upcoming and very most real thing that's going to happen that we've been anticipating all this time. And that is for baby. And that is it. It's basically a preparation for baby, which is why I want to visit this topic because what about others who are involved? What about us as moms? How are we preparing ourselves for a baby, to be the mom we want to be, make sure we were set up and supported in postpartum. Because let me tell you, my friend, that this is equally as important as preparing the nursery for baby. That maybe baby might sleep in once or twice the first year, but this preparation that we do shouldn't be just for baby. And we can use registries as a way to support both mom and babies. And baby registries are great. A great 
preparation piece for us. But they are also, like I said, a great opportunity to provide support for us and make sure that there are certain elements lined up for us so that way we can have them readily available. And I see on these mom message boards time and time again, because listen, I'm there. I'm a mom. I've been there. And now as a more experienced, a veteran mom is what I've been called a few times, which I don't really view myself like this. But as somebody who is so passionate about helping other moms, I see this question come up time and time again. And particularly, with first-time moms, but also even second-time moms, because what they realize is that they're like, okay, hey, I got some things last time, or I didn't get things last time that I thought I really needed. But the question that they're asking is, what are some things that I can put on my baby registry that I'm either forgetting or that I might need? And I love answering this question, and I love responding to this question, because oftentimes, and majority of the time, my response is very obviously traditional. I'm going to give advice like, hey, you're definitely going to need these things if you don't have them already. Or as a first-time mom, most definitely, we need to be registering for these types of things. And the best advice that I usually try to give, which is a little bit of my wisdom, (laughs) my nugget of wisdom, only because I've learned and only because I've experienced not just one, two, three, four pregnancies, but also just because this is something that I wish that I would have done and really wish that somebody would have told me. So what I often give sometimes is advice based off of what to put on your registry and things that don't necessarily even make the list or things that we don't even think about, but we should. We should be thinking about these things. Are these non-traditional things and actions and gifts that we should be asking people for? And when we look at baby registries, sometimes we go in with the intention as somebody who's maybe buying for somebody that we know, family, friends, coworkers, we go in with the intentions of supplying something or providing something or buying something for baby, knowing that, okay, essentially what I'm buying for you is going to be helpful because you're telling me that you want it. So if you are with that person who sticks to the list, kudos for you because it is always best to stick to that list. Going off of it, I mean, you're kind of risking it. But also too, I mean, what is on that list is what mom is wanting. So get it, get what's on that list. And I think it takes a very special person to realize that if there's something on that list that's not there, but you know, oh, for sure, I'm by experience or I know for sure they're going to need this because it's important or it somehow made such a difference in my motherhood journey, especially when I started out. I mean, it takes a really special person to have to think in that way, going with the intentions or thought process of looking at a registry. But also too, some people just don't know. They don't know how to really help. They don't really know how to provide something for baby, let alone even for you, because it's just not there. Or they're just thinking, oh, well, it's all about the baby. (laughs) Or somehow the mentality of getting something off a baby registry or creating one is kind of stuck in that culture mindset that it is all about the baby and mom's just got to pull herself together or she's kind of left on her own to figure things out. So I think sometimes baby registries are sometimes and have been locked into that idea of our culture society of just 
only thinking about the baby, not necessarily thinking about what can we do to set mom up for success long term. So I do think that sometimes it is like that with baby registries and that is the mentality there. But what we're also missing when we do that is we're missing that there's a mom behind that baby. There's a mom who also needs that special care and attention, who needs that same support, who needs different things and items and acts of service, those types of things that will help us be the better mom for baby, which also means that baby is going to thrive. Baby is going to reap only the benefits of those things. We also have moms who are adding, usually probably after sometimes the second. I mean, normally when moms who are a second time mom are going to be a second time mom, they don't even do a registry. They kind of just go off of like, oh, I haven't written anything that I need, especially if it's like the same gender (laughs) we're having. We've had a girl before, so we're having another girl again. And sometimes there's just no registry there. So we don't even really know how to support mom. But I think it's so important that no matter how many kids you have, that you come up with some type of baby registry or some type of list of things of, hey, this is how you can help me. Or these are some of the things that I would like if you are willing to give a gift or you are willing to have some type of support or if somebody asks if you need anything, just being super upfront and being, we don't necessarily need baby gear or equipment because we have all that, but there are other things that I believe that we can voice and we can ask for that we can do through a baby registry, but also just in general. And I feel like sometimes we just are afraid to voice those things or sometimes we just don't even think about them or we're just not thinking that far ahead. So if you're somebody who has a really hard time asking for help or reaching out those types of things, a baby registry or this list that you create is a really great way to be able to do that. So it's not as awkward or uncomfortable or, you know, step making you step out of your comfort zone when you're not necessarily very good about asking for things. Because all in all, we should be mothering the mother. Because when we mother the mother, it is better off for both baby and mom. And motherhood is a really long, long race. And it's really difficult in the beginning. Every mom struggles the first couple weeks because you're adjusting to the new dynamic, you're adjusting to the baby, you're adjusting being a mom. The whole family is not necessarily struggling, but the whole family is learning how to adapt, learning how to go and roll with the punches of change. And when mom feels and is supported and taken care of, the family and baby will only reap the rewards of that. And that's what we want. We want a sustainable outcome for mom and baby. And sometimes we can accomplish those things and make sure those things are a good launching pad to that successful motherhood journey, especially in the beginning. The way that we can do that is through sometimes baby registries because they are a great opportunity to get everything we need, but also for us on the outside to provide support to mom, whether or not she uses it, but that it's available to her. And you might not even think that you are going to use those resources or you're going to go ahead and use those non-traditional ways or support and things like that. You might go in not thinking you need it. The point is, is that it's there. And the point is, is that when you do need it and if you happen to need it, because sometimes we just don't know. And so this is what this is. This is part of putting those tools and those resources and those little things in there so that way when we need them, we can reach and grab 
for them. So that's what baby registries have the potential to do. And that's what we can, we can create these lists that are like baby registries to have the potential to have those resources there and available to us whenever we need them. If not, we still have them in our back pocket, locked and loaded and ready for us to use them when we do need them. It might be very obvious, but what we just need to do if it's not very obvious is ask or just go down into your bank. Like if you're a mom, a experienced mom, a grandma, a mom of somebody who's having their daughter's having a baby or their son is having a baby, that you are going to the depths of your mental and memories and just realizing, yes, I wish I had support. If you didn't have support, then yes, still going and doing that, providing that support for that individual may not even be you. You may not think that you can provide that support, but you are providing a way for them to have support that maybe necessarily you might not need. Or you are banking on the memory or realizing I have a lot of support and this is the way that I had support. So I want to make sure that this individual is also set up in these ways. So there are a lot of ways that we can do that, but sometimes we just need to ask. Sometimes we need to remember based upon our, our experiences and what really mattered to us. And you might need to just ask mom directly how to support them. What is the most important thing that they wish that they could have? Or looking at their registry and saying to them, hey, I've seen your registry. Is there something on your list that you really, really want or could really, really use that would be so supportive, but also would be like a game changer to you? What is that? And go from there. So my first tip is when you are creating a baby registry or you are creating a list of this is what I would like to have this time around. Just don't overthink it. Take your time and just keep it simple and do some pre-planning. So if you're going to be going into online, into stores to register, or you are finally realizing this is what I would like to have my second time around, third time around, and this would really help me now that we're having more children, just do some pre-planning. Go in with the plan and know for sure what you really need and want for both you and the baby. So make sure you're including yourself in that, you. So this might take some researching and intentional education on your own behalf beforehand. So let's start with some of the traditional items to keep in mind that we are gonna wanna most likely, probably the top, let's see, tops five, the top five that you're definitely gonna wanna put on your registry. And of course, you are going to wanna register for items like bassinet, big items like crib, a mattress, car seat, stroller, if you don't already have them. And, but some things that we don't even think about registering for are kind of just register based off of like, oh, I think I'm going to need this or like, "Mm, I don't think I'm going to need that. But some of these traditional items that I would recommend is breast pump and bottles. Now, not everybody is going to use the breast pump. Not everybody's going to plan on using it. Not everybody's going to plan on using bottles. Believe me, I've talked to multiple moms and this is something that is sometimes they're just, no, I'm definitely not doing that. We are very pro breastfeeding. We are going to do breastfeeding and that is it which is totally fine, which is great. I feel like if you have that goal, you should definitely strive towards it. And you definitely should have the support that you need to be able to accomplish those goals. But even if you are not planning on breastfeeding, or even if you are not planning on bottle feeding, having a breast pump handy can be life-saving 
when things come up that we did not plan for. This is not because we are setting you up for failure, but just making sure that if baby has any oral or tongue tie issues or buckle tie issues, or something happens where baby doesn't have necessarily direct access to breastfeeding because they have a health issue, something comes up, they spend a lot of time in the NICU or anything along those lines, and that you have a way to keep your milk supply going. And these can be purchased through your insurance, which is great. Because oftentimes, I think sometimes when we think like, oh, I don't want to get a pump because if I buy it, it's going to be really hard to resell it or it's kind of wasted money. Well, the good thing about breast pumps is that sometimes our insurance, if we just talk to our insurance, they will definitely will supply it for free or maybe you can look something into your local state that will go ahead and do that as well. So it could be worth it. And with bottles, you're going to want to make sure that you get bottles where the nipple goes into a gradual slope. This has a lot to do with oral development and something that's a little bit more familiar to say what the breast is like with the nipple and breast. And the nipple itself is to not to be too flat. So just make sure that we're looking at bottles in that way. So when you are registering for bottles, just don't go with the name brand. Don't even go with the popular brand. Go and look at them. Go ahead and look at the, the nipple, the slope. Do that type of research because that really does make a difference on baby's latch, all those types of things. So we want certain areas of our own nipple and the nipple of the bottle to be in certain areas to create a good seal and a good latch to also have good breastfeeding cues and techniques there in place that are proper. So definitely that's going to take some little education here. And there's so many resources out there for you guys to be able to look into that. Next is baby carriers. I would recommend you register for two. Now you might think I'm crazy on this one, but, and I only say this from experience. Now register one to use while baby is a newborn. I mean, something that really keeps them tight and high and something that's really snuggly, but also one that you can use as they get bigger. So my two recommendations would be the Solo, Soli Wrap and the Ergo. I love both of them. I have tried the Moby Wrap and I just did not like it. My personal experience with the Moby Wrap, I had to readjust. Even when my baby was inside <laughs> in the little carrier, I had gotten it for free. Somebody donated it to me and I, so I was very thankful and I wanted to give it a try, but I just remember it just had to be adjusted so many times when I was using it. And that was really irritating for me. That was something that I just never felt like I could get it right, tightness wise and for the size of my baby, because my baby was kind of huge when he was born. <laughs> so, but then once I got the Soli wrap, uh, that was a game changer for me. I even tried the ring slings. That was just something I could not figure out. So this is just really based on personal preference. But as my baby got older and more heavier, <laughs> I was like, I need to find a baby carrier that's a little bit more bigger or can hold his weight. And I love the Ergo because it's just ergonomically correct. It just distributed all the way evenly. My husband was able to wear it. It was a great investment. So there are other brands out there that are basically on the same level now. We're back then when I first had kids, not a lot of options, but this is what I found to be the best in baby carriers. And baby carriers keep your baby close and they keep you hands-free when you really need it, which can be helpful during the days that you need to get stuff done or things are particularly hard. But it next is teething items because some babies, 
the necessary need to chew on things or put things in their mouth is really based off of their skills orally to be developed. So it comes a lot quicker than people think. Babies tend to want to do that probably around three months. And so registering for products that promote this good oral development is very important. So teething things, things that they can go ahead and do that. This would also include binkies. So getting ones that are targeted towards correct oral development. So that would mean making sure the nipple on the binky is not too flat and that it's coming down as a slope to kind of almost mimic the breast because we definitely don't want to encourage poor oral development. And especially if our child already has those things going on, we don't want to nurture that. We want to make it better. So we want to make sure we're doing things like that. And there are teething items that are specifically targeted towards that. Next is cold remedies, humidifiers, nasal suctions, anything pretty much to help baby through the times that they will get sick because baby will get sick at least one or more times with a cold illness during the first year. But I recommend homeopathic medicines when it comes to these types of things. And Highlands is a great brand for kids and it's perfectly safe really, really simple to follow. I mean, they have really basic instructions and a lot of times they can come in a liquid form or they can come in a very easily dissolvable tiny tablet. So really easy to use. I mean, you can even mix the liquid with some breast milk and feed it through a bottle, those types of things. But of course, during these times, your breast milk is going to be the baby's best defense against bacteria and viruses. This is why keeping baby close, kissing the top of the heads, of their heads, a breast pump is good, those types of things, but using these humidifiers for them to be able to clear their sinuses, but also nasal sections and just making sure that we have those on hand because usually times when baby gets sick, it just really springs up on us and we're like, whoa, this is, did not realize that he was sick or did not realize that he was getting sick. So just having those things on hand and registering for those, that way we're prepared in that aspect. Next are breastfeeding items. Number five, we have nipple creams, nipple pads, nursing wear, and shirts that encourage that are you know, nurse friendly, those types of things are breast pump friendly. Nursing pillows, we have little silverettes for sore cracked nipples, which let me note here, should not last for a long period of time. If it is, then you need to get baby checked for oral tie issues. And that is usually proper diagnosed through a special type of dentist. So we can see IBCLCs and we can see lactation consultants and they are very helpful for times like this because sometimes it's not necessarily there's an oral tie issue, but that the fact that maybe proper holding, proper positioning helps them to be able to have a better latch, those types of things to reduce the crack and sore nipples long-term, they can definitely help with those things. But I will tell you that based off of their schooling and their experience, they really are not allowed to diagnose oral tie issues. They can tell you that they suspect or they can tell you, hey, this might be the problem. Here's who we can recommend. They can do that. But also too, that some IBCLCs and LCs are not properly trained on identifying all of the oral and tongue tie issues. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they are not in the good position to see them or the fact that they cannot necessarily recognize them. 
So just keep that in mind, but definitely still recommend that if this is becoming a normal thing for you long-term, we need to talk to an IBCLC or a lactation consultant to be able to help you with those things. But definitely the nipple pads, those types of things, just in case there's any leakage happening, we want to definitely make sure that we are not, um, you know, getting that all over the place when we are out and about (laughs) and not nursing or pumping. Those are some traditional top five items that I would definitely make sure that are on your baby registry or that you get for mom. Okay, so now we get into these non-traditional items. And when I think about non-traditional items in baby registries, I think about that Friends episode where Phoebe was having the triplets and Monica and Rachel thought it was going to be such a great idea for them to get Phoebe some things for her to enjoy after she wasn't pregnant anymore. And I just remember that scene where she (laughs) opened up the gifts and she was like, leather pants what am I gonna do like I mean she just went off so it ended up turning into a bad idea so when I think about non-traditional items that we could get mom or register for it always brings me back to that which is comical which you know obviously they had good intentions which essentially is what we're doing we have good intentions going in getting mom these things but these non-traditional items are more for you as the mom. And I know majority of the registry is about the baby and making sure they have what they need, but that doesn't mean you don't matter, that you don't deserve the support and care as a mother who is taking care of the baby. This is more focused on you setting yourself up for success. And it is equally important for you to prepare yourself as much as you are preparing for baby and to ask for the support that you will need in postpartum or during your pregnancy or to prepare you for birth. The postpartum is often the most neglected stage that moms and some of us have not, do not, and won't take time to prepare for or view to have the same amount of importance for. We do all, I tell moms this all the time, I'm like, listen, this is just as equally as important. So just remember that this phase of being pregnant and childbirth is going to come and go. But this postpartum and being a mom, that's a little bit more of the long-term, long run. But also too, there are some things that we can register for and ask for during our pregnancy to provide more support or just to help with the preparation we need to not go into the next stage just winging it or barely surviving or having the viewpoint of surviving or it not be a good satisfying experience because we are lacking support or we're lacking education and information to be able to have a more easier transition into this period of our life. So here are my top six non-traditional items that we can register for, have people bless us with, or to give mom. The first one be a childbirth education class. <laughs> You're probably not surprised on this one, but this helps you prepare during your pregnancy for our birth and for the reality of postpartum. This will help you get educated, reduce any fears, help you have a hands-on vision on what is actually happening, to know what is normal and not normal, how to make informed decisions that fit your needs and your desires, but also help you to prepare mentally for birth, for postpartum, knowing what to focus on and how you can be taken care of during that time. But most importantly too, it helps you get connected 
with people, with your local resources and tools to provide that support. And this is what I do in my class. This is the nine-week course class that I talk about over and over and over again is this is what we do. We do all these things. And not only that, we only focus on things that are the most important when it comes to your postpartum, pregnancy, childbirth. We focus on those things and and we help those who are around you be able to know what that looks like. So that's what we do in my nine-week course. So come join me on there if you are interested and you're sitting here right now saying, yes, this is exactly what I need. This is what I've been looking for. I am not prepared. I want to be prepared. I want to know what to focus on. I actually want to know how people can support me, how I can support myself, as well as how to have a great transition into my early years of motherhood or adjusting to new baby, then this is you. And if you really, and definitely know that this is something that you want to learn and know how to prepare what things to do, all of that, come join me. Follow the link in the description of this episode. Even if you're hesitant, still come book a one-hour free consultation with me because let me tell you, this is something that is so important when it comes to the preparation nesting process. And we can do this by providing a childbirth education class for someone we know, or we can register for one. If we don't have the financial means or we don't necessarily want to pay out of pocket, we can register for that and put that as a high importance. So we can do this by filing under a miscellaneous or just have the cost or the portion of the course as the gifts. Maybe not a full upfront cost, maybe a portion of it, or maybe some people, because people go in on gifts all the time, you guys, when it comes to registries, especially big items like cribs, strollers, car seats, pack and plays. I mean, baby swings. All people go in on those things. And so if you feel like taking a childbirth education class is more important or has some significance like those items, have a few people go in on it. You know, maybe encourage people to do that. And next one is a postpartum doula or birth doula. Studies have shown that not only are doulas a constant emotional, physical, and informational support system, but they do decrease the chances of cesarean, need for unnecessary medical interventions, and have the chances of increasing the satisfaction in birth and postpartum experience. The studies also do note that doulas also reduce the risk of postpartum depression and anxiety by 57%. They can help with breastfeeding, running errands, picking up the loose ends with home care, like homemaking, prepare any type of light meals, do any light housekeeping, helping with other young children, and so much more. Some of these postpartum doulas, guys, stay over overnight. So that way through the night, you have that support that if you don't have anybody to help you through the night, that you can hire people to help you to do that. And they help in ways of providing support in your pregnancy, during labor, and into postpartum. Doulas help fill in the gap and truly are the ones who have been known historically and still today to mother the mother. And being that constant caregiver and support for families as they transition into the life with a new baby, postpartum doulas provide support in areas of the family, including birth doulas. And next one is a haka. This is a breast pump that is handheld. 
but it is a great tool for the times that we start to experience clogged milk ducts. Usually we can get those out by massaging our own breasts or having baby feet on that side a little bit more constant than the other. Or when we start developing mastitis, this can happen. A lot of moms do experience this, but what we can do with these is we can fill it up with warm water, Epsom salt, and soak that particular breast. So putting it on there, squeezing it, letting kind of draw out that infection. So there's also another good remedy for mastitis, but we will talk about that another time. <laughs> and also number four, a postpartum recovery kit. This would include witch hazel, vaginal ice packs, because they make those outside of the hospital, <laughs> perineum bottoms for cleaning, extra pads, postpartum bath herbs for healing, and just that nice relaxing bath, but that do promote that perineum healing, mesh underwear, nipple cream, snacks, and drinks for the bedside table. So just creating or registering for items to create that postpartum pack, that postpartum recovery crit that you can either have in the restroom when you go to the bathroom, when you get home, or having it by your bedside. That way it's there and available to you. You can register for those little types of things. I mean, most moms, what they do, especially when they have a hospital birth, is they take some of these items and bring them home. But if we already have them there and available, then we won't have to worry about, oh, did we take home enough? Are we going to need enough? Or what type of things do we have at home to be able to still have these available to me? basically by grabbing them by my hand, like right there. <laughs> and this is one of the smallest ways for us to be able to know mom that we support her, especially in her healing. Number five, an extra fun for any expenses that you do not or did not foresee happening, like for an extra treatment that needed to be done on your baby to cover or pelvic floor specialist, postpartum support for postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, like a therapist or even that post postpartum doula or even that birth doula, even a wellness holistic expense to go to a wellness holistic center, those types of things, or even a fund for the birth that you want. This would include a home birth or a birth center expense that maybe your insurance doesn't cover. Maybe the only thing that you really want because you have everything you need is that you want the expenses for the home birth to be taken care of because there are a lot of things outside of just paying for the midwife that you can register for. You can have somebody buy you your birth kit, somebody to buy you these extra towels or, you know, to do things like that. You can put those on a registry or have a fund to be able to cover those things. It's kind of like when people get married, they do like a honeymoon fund or like a down payment house fund fund or something like that. You can totally do that on registries. I mean, in, instead of the gift cards, instead of the cash or instead of those things, you could do things like that. Or maybe get mom a gift certificate to go get a massage or to get chiropractic care for you and baby because oftentimes paying out of pocket can be not as expensive, but just as expensive as maybe buying, you know, something that they might already have or something that, you know, you feel is you know, not as important as those things. Sometimes they can be $20. Sometimes they can be $100. I mean, there's so many creative things that you can do and register to be able to have those things to support you during your postpartum, but also that help take care of you and your family. Lastly, time. Registering for time. 
time for people to come visit and check up on you, to bring meals. This is why meal trains are so great. So sending that out to people or letting them know, hey, instead of a baby registry this time around, or instead of this, I have what we need. This is a meal train. I would really, this is what I would really like for you to bring me my family meals. (laughs) I mean, usually churches set this up or a friend group or family, those type of things. But on those things, you can probably register for certain meals for people to make or bring you. That way you can get the nourishment that you need. It just takes a little bit more intentional planning. If we're like, okay, hey, I want to be able to have this during my pregnancy meal-wise. So do you think that you could do that for me? like bone broth. Bone broth is like one of the things that I definitely recommend when it comes to recovery, especially within the first couple weeks of it being a regular thing that you eat to replenish your minerals, to restore healing, all those type of things, hormones, tissue, everything. And so sometimes we can assign people to either make the bone broth because you don't have time to make it or that you can delegate that task to somebody else or that you can tell them, hey, this is the bone broth that I would be okay drinking, would you mind providing that for my family? That can be also part of your meal train. So so it just takes time to plan those things. Or you can even register or ask for time for somebody to come and visit and play with other kids while you take a nap or a shower or focus on developing a strong breastfeeding bond or routine with your new baby. You could totally do those things. Having somebody, I know this is probably not somebody who is giving these things is ideal, but you know, hiring somebody to come clean their house or maybe go clean their house or go do the laundry for them or have a laundry service do their laundry for them. Those are things that we can give mom. Those are things that we can register for that would just make the motherhood transition so much more easier. So oftentimes when we do baby registries, we do them for the sake of a shower. And sometimes we don't get what we need. Believe me, that happens, guys. Let me tell you, my first baby shower, I got almost nothing. I'm not kidding, you guys. This happens. My first child, you think that, oh, the first baby, you get what you need. No. I didn't get any blankets when I was going to have my son, my first son. I didn't even get a car seat. I got a pack and play. I got a crib. And I didn't even get newborn clothes. And I just remember I got like clothes that were like 2T and like things that weren't even on my registry. I got nothing on my registry nothing. And I registered. (laughs) And so I know that this happens. And for some reason, people just don't want to get us things that are on our list. They rather just give us something that's completely off the wall, which is also sometimes those sentimental things that we hold on to and that we use. Or like, oh, my great grandma knitted this blanket or my great grandma knitted these washcloths. Like those types of things are different because they hold a little bit of special meaning. But some people who are moms, grandmas, or other moms or other friends, they don't stick to the list and they don't, you don't get what you need. So this happens. Or we have people who say, oh, I'm totally going to get you this. And it's a big item. So you kind of don't, you don't even register for one, or you are banking on the idea that if I register for one, they'll get the one that I want and they'll buy it, but then they don't end up doing it. Sometimes that really happens. So don't worry because there are other ways for you to get what you need. First is shopping secondhand. This is what I had to do with my kids. Even when I changed from having a boy and then I was gonna have a girl, I just remember, I don't want a baby shower. And then my mom ended up throwing me a surprise baby shower, which was really wonderful and great, but I still didn't get a lot of clothes. And it's like, I don't have any girl clothes. I have a boy already. I don't have anything. So this is something that I had to do. I had to shop secondhand. And this would include thrift stores, kids and baby boutiques that buy, sell, and trade gently used items like clothes, baby gear, etc. And usually a lot of that stuff is sold at a price that is 
very, very, very reasonable. And it has almost like been untouched, maybe used once or twice, or maybe baby wore, or maybe be some of them still have tags on them, guys. So shopping secondhand, going to yard sales, Facebook marketplace, asking around. So this, again, our second one of being able to get what you need is just ask. I remember with my daughter after shopping secondhand and not really finding much luck or, you know, just thinking like, I wonder if there's another way that I can get what I need. And I just posted a Facebook post at the time. That was like a real cool thing or something that you would do. I just posted a Facebook post saying, hey, is anybody getting rid of baby girl items that I can take off your hands? Baby baby girl clothes or baby girl blankets. And it took off. Like this thing went viral, you guys, because my doula at the time also posted it on her and so many people responded. I mean, I had after like that, I had clothes all the way up to my daughter was about two, two T into two T. I mean, blankets, clothes, socks, shoes, everything. So sometimes we just need to do those things. Go on a Facebook mom message boards where there are moms and people who are looking to get rid of those things. Create a post, ask around, make it shareable. So that way people can share it and that way you can go ahead and get the baby clothes, blankets, and gear that they are willing and looking to get rid of that are probably stored up in their attic, in their garage, or their kids. They don't, they're not gonna have any more kids, but they need to go ahead and get rid of it. So sometimes we just need to ask and do those things. Lastly, go Go to your local pregnancy center. Some communities offer services like this that will help families with clothing, diapers, baby gear, wipes, and blankets, those types of things. So if there's one in your community that you can reach out to you and get what you need to fill in the gaps or to be able to provide what you actually need, then do that. That is why they are there. It's a free service that people donate to be able to provide that service and for moms who are in need. So if you are in that position, these are ways that we can go ahead and get what we still need, even when we register and don't get what we need, or the fact that maybe just somebody hasn't asked, but we still need it. Well, that is all for today. And I hope this is a helpful guide on creating your baby registry, or if you are thinking about getting something for somebody off a registry, or maybe are looking to do something outside of the boxes that you feel will best support mom and baby but also too that you can register for to support yourself because you are just as important as baby. That is it for today, mama. I will see you next time in our chat. Bye. Hi again. Thank you so much for listening to this great episode. If you had learned something today, please make sure you leave a review in Apple Podcasts and share with another mom friend. Also, pop on over to our private Facebook group, sign up for our email list, and connect with me on social media, which are all linked in the description of this podcast. I can't wait to see you over there and connect with you. Now go listen to your mom gut because wisdom will guide you and chances are it won't let you down. Until next time, cheers.